And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. Welcome to Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. Today, we're talking with a missionary who serves in South Asia, deep in the mountains of the Himalayas. James and his wife, Grace, have been living in South Asia for eight and a half years. They work amongst a a Buddhist people in the Himalayas and are laboring there to reach them with the gospel. James actually grew up in Africa, spent a few years at seminary, and then in 2015, the Lord led him and his family to South Asia, where they went to to focus on language learning and and really starting a ministry there in the mountains of the Himalayas. I've been looking forward to this conversation. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Paul. Thanks so much, man. Such a pleasure, and I look forward to talking. Yeah, so why don't you just start by telling us where are you? Give us an overview of your your context, the the people, the environment, the landscape, the culture. Any any facts you can tell us about where you are? We are in uh, South Asia, and particularly in a Himalayan nation. We're serving amongst uh, the Buddhist people here in this nation. We've been here for about eight and a half years now. So our primary target is those Buddhist people, and those those people are primarily in the valleys and mountaintops in this this country and uh so we serve roughly 15 people groups kind of our stewardship the population of those is about three million it's challenging in, in the sense that it's it's remote areas what's really solemn is just the fact that like as we do this podcast i think i don't know maybe half of it, there's there's in an hour there's two people that die every day um, from our people group without ever hearing the gospel uh, or sorry every hour two people die without ever hearing the gospel it's an awesome place to get to serve. Roughly 174 languages in this country. Yeah, what's an interesting fact about it that maybe people won't know is that you go from one part of the country is basically sea level to the other side of it, it's the, like the highest place in the world within like 20 miles, 10 to 15 to 20 miles. Just that that little geographical area is crazy. Wow. Okay, so so you're there kind of living, I guess, in, in a city, but you're up into the mountains a good bit there. Maybe... I know you, you you didn't grow up there. I mentioned in the bio that you grew up in Africa, but can you can give us yeah. some of the backstory about how you got there? Sure. Well, I, I grew up, like you said, as an MK in, in Africa, kind of all over places, Rwanda, Kenya, Tanzania. Spent most of our time in uh, Rwanda and Mozambique, though. I grew up, I enjoyed it, but I remember leaving uh, the field, coming back to the college, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I'm never going to be a be a missionary and definitely never going to be a missionary with IMB. <laughs> Those are the two things I distinctly remember saying. And, uh, you know, the Lord has a funny way of, of changing that. But I kind of walked during college. I, I wasn't walking closely to the Lord the first few years of my time there. And I really was uh, just immature in a lot of different ways in my faith. And But towards the end of those two years, the Lord really got a hold of my life personally. And uh, and through some friends and just uh, and actually a like a, a pretty bad theological sermon is funny enough. This person that spoke on the delivered a, a sermon on the unforgivable sin and 
you know, God uses all different means, but he used that sermon that was, I would say, not exactly theologically accurate to, to still change my life, to still bring me to a serious understanding of who he was and what that meant to to walk as a Christian. And um, from that, man, uh, the Lord just began to put friends in my life who were serious about the Lord. And that's really where the change happened is when I realized that in my life I needed to pursue Jesus like wholeheartedly and not just as a cultural Christian or as, you know, as an MK, but as to really own my faith. And those friends, man, just pouring into me, uh, having Bible studies, they were talking about unreached people groups and going to be missionaries all over the world. And and at that time, I was uh, particularly pursuing aviation in the military. But over time, I uh, the, the Lord just got a hold of my heart and called me back to that to that that calling that so many of us have, you know, to to see the lost engage with the gospel. And so. I started really getting serious in, in, in discipleship groups and two guys in particular at Liberty University where I ended up uh, started pouring into me and challenging me and discipling me. At that time, I met Grace and uh, we uh, we started dating. And um, I actually at that time decided to like the, the Lord was calling us into full time ministry overseas. And and I wanted to see somewhere other than Africa. And so I, uh, I took a, a short term trip or midterm trip, six months to where we are now. And I was here when the Lord just opened my eyes up during that time in a different context of the South Asian culture and specifically the Buddhist people. And he burdened my heart for, for them just to sink so much unreach, unreachness and just the the lack of the access to the, the gospel really challenged me. I returned and and my wife and I got married and, and we ended up coming back. But it was really that time and that I spent six months uh, here that the Lord really burdened my heart for this particular area. So yeah, we got married, went to seminary for two and a half years and then ended up where we are now. That's awesome. So, so James, you, you've been there now, you mentioned about eight and a half years, obviously you're committed to it. You had an experience, you know, earlier in your life that led you and your family to move there. So, so what is it about this place that makes it so special to you? I mean, right off the bat, it's the people, the people that we get to serve, uh, the nationals, the believers and the unbelievers, um, the friends that we've made here. I mean, I just don't think you can find any sweeter people. And the, as the believers go, man, just you can't find any more passionate people that want to make Christ's name known. And so just working with them has been such a huge blessing for us. I mean, it, it's one of the greatest things to be able to work work alongside these brothers and sisters life on life with them and just get to know them and their families and and even the ones that obviously don't know christ that um we've just built deep relationships with and and they're really the reason i get get me excited about being here um and just the potential too just of what god is doing in this country man it is it's unbelievable actually and particularly among recently what's happening amongst the people we're serving so yeah you obviously love where you are you love being there but I know it's not easy. I know there's challenges yeah. to, to the work. And so I would love for you to kind of share with our listeners, what makes this context a challenging place to do ministry? Yeah, man, there's so many. I think a lot of people would say, and, and I would say as well, that one of the biggest challenges is just my own, my own self, my own perspective is forgetting really, again, the, the true love for why I'm here. Not It's not just because of the adventure. It's not just because of the the novelty of it. It's not just because of the lost, even it's ultimately for the glory of Christ. Right. And um, I think often that perspective is lost in the mundane life, even just, you know, trying to get your car fixed or get your washing machine fixed, you know, it just those little things add up and the, the challenges, the day-to-day -day stuff kind of distract you again from, 
from the main thing. And that's just, you know, a passionate pursuit of Christ himself. And I think my own attitude has been a, has been a challenge as well. I'm um, like physically, like the, just the challenge of uh, the, the mountains, man, um, and travel particularly. I think the, one of the biggest hindrances to the gospel going forward here isn't the people themselves, but it's just the, the difficulty of getting to where they're at, the challenge of driving. And then when you're driving, you're walking for, you know, anywhere from two to 10 to 15 days to get to where you're going, you know, and then um, uh, coming back. So you just get there in 10 days and then your, your ministry just begins and then you got to walk back. And so that, you know, maintaining a, a good perspective and energy and excitement during that has been a challenge during the monsoon, this monsoon season here right now, and just the rains are insane. And so landslides and uh, roads, floods, and make it very challenging. And yeah, scary at times. Can't tell you the amount of times I've once been killed by a landslide. So pray for us. There's obviously what you're mentioning there is a number of, I would just say, geographical, environmental challenges related mm. to kind of the mountains and the difficulty of travel and getting to village yeah. and village and those kinds of things. I've been to some places kind of near where you are. Can you speak some about kind of the the spiritual realm and maybe the worldview? Mm. Because I know there's some Absolutely. people look at these these beautiful mountains and they see beautiful scenic pictures, but they often don't know about some of the darkness that is behind some of the the beliefs and the worldviews of the people who live there. Absolutely, yeah. So the Buddhist people fundamentally. If you were to, t- you know, there's a lot of different ways to describe what they believe, and there's so many different ways of of articulating that, but fundamentally, you know, on the most fundamental level, what they try to do in their life is to cease in essence to exist. Like they just to become nothing, right. To realize there's nothing to be absorbed into this concept of the universe or whatever, this energy thing. So everything they do is to that end in a sense, you know, even the, the ones that don't understand that level of, of philosophy or religious. So uh, a challenge is that they just, man, Often you're talking to like people that just are are just hopeless, people that are that don't really care. We get a lot of complacency with people. Just, you know, it's just it's another life, or it's just a this is just the way it is. I just just what I believe. There is no concept of, of an almighty God, so they don't have that in their in their beliefs, set of beliefs. There are demons and spiritual things that they believe in, but uh, really, it's just this complacent worldview that's been a challenge for us as we engage them. And they're very kind, easy to talk to, but because of the, and I would say probably the biggest challenge, spiritually, and maybe just the reality of the situation is they're they're so caught up in their with the community that they're from, and so dependent, so tightly knit. And to change that is is one of the the biggest challenges for them. I, for example, we we were. When we were doing our language study for the first our first term, we we had this little project we went and did. Decided it was a ca- called a capstone project that we had to do in the language, and so we you could be whatever you wanted to. But we ended up what we ended up doing is going around and asking people a set of questions. One of those questions like, "What do you fear? What do you fear the most?" Right, trying to figure out what's what's on their heart. And their biggest fear wasn't death, wasn't like the things that we would think, but it was really this this sense of dishonoring or breaking relationship with the community. And so, because they're so devoted to one another, and I think that's because of just the the nature of where they've lived for so long, these real isolated communities, and and all they've ever had is each other to depend upon. And so, anyone that decides to change their beliefs or to to walk towards Christ, 
they stick out like a sore thumb. So they're really afraid of that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of common ground, even even though the belief systems are different than like Islam, the way that it's tied into the community. Yeah. And you don't want to be seen as separate from the community is a is a very sounds like a very big pressure that a lot of people feel and sense. And so choosing to follow Christ is almost seen yeah. as as a rejection of friends, family, culture, yeah. and these kinds of things. It's a rejection of their identity that they have. To be wherever they are is to be Buddhist, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you say that you're a Christian now, it's like saying that you're not you're where you're from. You're like, I'm no longer from here anymore. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. They, For example, one of the things they do, this is just a, an example, one of the many things, when it's time to do harvest or time to do planting, they all go to each other's fields and help each other like plant and harvest and stuff every year. And so they do that as a community together, each village. And so when you, when you, when you say like a Christian, now it's like, good luck. James, can you tell us what life looks like for you and your family? Yeah, man. Good question. <laughs> I was asking my wife tonight. I said, what do you, how do I explain that? And she's like, man, it's just so unpredictable, right? It's, I think you know, and I think those who are hearing just know that, man, it's, it's never the same thing. We know what to do and we're ready for when the right time happens, like, you know, to share, to disciple people, to gather people, to dis- develop leaders. But day to day, it's so different. And I was joking around a, re- a while ago about, you know, getting a, a tire fixed or whatever. Like often it's just, it's living life uh, with intentionality as a family. It's very random <laughs> and hard to, and hard to expect. But uh, with that, we're, we're, trying to be very intentional as a family to, you know, wake up in the mornings, spend time together, spend time in the word. And then we have a time during the day where we're, we're just focused on work on ministry. And sometimes that's with the family in the mountains for a month as we go together. Sometimes that's me going a lot, or that's a lot of times too, like during the monsoon season, our family is here in the city and we're, we're reaching out to the community we're in engaging the lost and training those believers and equipping those believers that do exist here in the city to get to those areas. And so, yeah, it's full on, man, all the time. We never, I mean, I was up to like two or three in the morning the other night and a guy wanted to talk. He wanted to get in the word and tell me about what the Lord's teaching him. And and I was in bed. He's like, man, I got to come right now. I thought there was an emergency. And he was like, I got to come right now, man. I was like, what's going on with this guy? Someone diet, but he didn't tell me, I just need to come right now. And so I got out of bed and we were up late. It was good. It was good stuff. But it's it's like that all the time. And, you know, Reaching a specific people group with the gospel demands specialized training and a global vision. Southern Seminary supports these ministry goals through theological education that is trusted for truth. A degree in missiology from Southern Seminary provides students with the biblical foundation and theological training necessary to take the gospel into all the world. The program prepares graduates to serve as missionaries, church planters, and ministry leaders anywhere in the world. To learn more about Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and doctoral degrees available through the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary, go to sbts.edu bgs, or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. There, you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. The web address again is sbts.edu slash bgs. Can you tell us, you know, obviously there's challenges, but can you tell us some about what the Lord is doing? How is he at work in your context? In the history of the people that we're serving, these are some of the most exciting days I think there have ever been. And that's for a lot of different reasons, but mainly fundamentally, it's just because 
more Buddhist people are getting an opportunity to hear the gospel than ever have been before. Um, and that's because I think as a team, we were just been fundamentally trying to focus on getting the gospel to as many people as possible. And our, our goal is to, is that every single person get an opportunity, not just get one opportunity to hear the gospel, but get multiple opportunities. And that creates a whole kinds of challenges, obviously getting the gospel to them. But as we've been focusing on that as a team, and I would say not just our team, but other teams that are doing similar things amongst these people, we're seeing people come to faith. The people we work with have traditionally been thought of as like, oh man, you know, these people are impossible to reach. You just, you just, you know, dig in, right? Just expect not to ever see any fruit. We kind of pushed back on that notion and said, man, you know, we noticed that there, there just wasn't a lot of seed sowing happening in the areas we were working. And so how do we maximize that? And so as we've like really just began to try to figure out creative ways of getting the gospel to these people, the Lord's doing incredible things, man. People come into faith and disciples are being made. And it's like, and we're just, man, we're excited. And so I would just say like, there's a, there's opportunity now, like there's never been in this people in these people groups. And there are a core group of believers and several of them. And when I mean core group, I mean, you know, more than, 50 that are very intentionally reaching their own people and really engaged in the work and are are catching a vision to reach their own people and we're obviously humbled uh, that we get to live in this time and be able to stand on those who have labored for years amongst these people man and so but we're in a time where i think the lord is really kind of drawing a lot of people to himself amen that's that's encouraging yeah. to hear i want to transition to kind of some lightning round questions where we look for kind of yeah. quicker, quicker responses. This season, we're focused on mission work in what we are considering extreme places or difficult, unique environments. I would say, you know, mountains of the Himalayas fit that description really, really well. Yeah. So in your opinion, you know, you've been there eight and a half years. What do you think it takes to be a faithful missionary in an extreme place? That's funny you say that, man, because I, I think of so many of our colleagues that are working in so much harder for places that I'm working. I mean, ours is hard, but I think of the guys, you know, living in Dhaka, right? Those guys are the real, those are the real deal, man. I tell them that like, you guys are the real missionaries. <laughs> no, but I, I think in order to be, to just be able to, to do it, I think you just got to be convinced, man, that Jesus is totally worthy of your life, whatever that looks like up to the last point and be convinced like Paul, you know, in, in uh, Philippians three, just that, Everything is rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ and ma and making his name known, whatever that takes, you know, to do that um, and just being rooted in him and then surrounding yourself with with a team that's focused in the same way, that's committed to one another, committed to the word, committed to sharpening each other, encouraging you and challenging you. We found those things to be very helpful in kind of the challenging places we've worked just to really focus on Christ and be convinced of that every single day. And it comes very practical. When you're like, man, do I go to this village? Like, it's like there's landslides coming down all day long. Like, you know, like I've got to cross that land. I'm going to do it. Like, is it worth? Yeah. So asking yourself and really being convinced that Jesus is worthy of that. Of course, He is. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just our own self that we need to learn and and be more like Christ in that way. You can take this next question kind of in a in a serious direction or in kind of a, a funny direction. But the the craziest and most shocking thing that you have seen or experienced? Craziest things, I man. I could list a million of them, but that come to mind just the earthquake that was that that we've experienced and landslides. I think travel in particular is is insane. Just the flights in and out of the mountains and, and then trekking for days and 
there was a, a big earthquake that happened and we were doing this one connection up in the mountains. It was like two days drive. And then it was like a day and a half walk up to this area where it had, where we were going to do this. Uh, we were going to help some people out there that had their village had completely flattened. We were helping that, that project go through and we, we ended up walking to that village and that night my wife and I were staying in a, in a tent and the monsoon started. We were right underneath this ledge of rock and just this real kind of loose looking mountain and which kind of made us feel a little bit nervous. And we were feeling earthquakes, like aftershocks all night long. And um, then this rain came and a huge rain and it rained for about four hours. And towards the end of it, we were laying there and I heard, I heard the ground start shaking and I heard trees start snapping. And the bo these boulders were coming down the mountain right towards us. And I looked at my wife and I said, I thought it was it. We both looked at each other. We're like, this is it, man. We're, <laughs> we, we're, we're convinced that like that was our last time we we're going to be alive. And well, it wasn't obviously. And we woke up the next morning and uh, we were on the side of this, this ridge and the landslide had come to the other side of the mountain instead of our side. And so it's just by the grace of God that it didn't come to our side. Yeah. Those are just, you know, some typical things. But, those are yeah, yeah. normal uh, occurrences in, in your life, but yeah, certainly shocking and crazy experiences that, that you would have serving in that context. James, when, when you think back on your time there, what is one thing you wish you knew before you arrived? I wish I understood clearly what the Bible described as a missionary and missionary work. I think, my concept of that was really broad, maybe too broad, you know, like I, I, I felt like it's just, you know, what's whatever you do. You're just a Christian over there. Right. In a sense you are, but I feel like I wish I had known and really dived deep into the clarity that the Bible gives of what a missionary is and what a missionary does. And that has, you know, as the time as people poured into us, that has been huge in my, me and my wife's life. Um, just, being really clear on what it is that we put our hands to every day and uh, what things are good, but what things are excellent in the sense of, of what God has uh, kind of given us a, as a guide for us, the guidelines that would have been very helpful. Yeah. That makes have sense. more clarity in that sense. Yeah. If somebody wanted to learn more about your, your context, your work, your environment, is there a resource that you would point them to? Is there, is there a book they could pick up? Is there a video, a movie, a web link? You know, what would you tell somebody who's wanting to learn more about your work and your environment? Yeah, there's an excellent book called Leaving Buddha. Um, I can't remember the, the author's name, but it's called Leaving Buddha. It's pretty new, actually. It's probably a three-year-old book that I just put out, but it's basically about a about a lama or a monk who came to faith in Tibet in the last 20 years or so. And it's narrated by him and written by another guy. It's his testimony. And it's just incredible. It gives me such hope, gives people such hope. It gives a very, very stark detail about what it's like in that context and what they believe and what they practice. But it also gives such hope to, to those who are working in this, in the similar context, because it just shows the power of the gospel. And the simplicity of of how he came to faith, something that was just not, it wasn't an elaborate act on anyone's part, except simple means of, of hearing the word and hearing the name of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit is working in his life. And so that book, and I, I highly recommend that book in terms of, of like learning about the the people that were the Buddhist people that, that we serve. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a great resource. 
Yeah, that's great. Last question. How would you encourage people who are working in, in hard environments? What would you say to them? It's funny. The other day I got asked the same question. Actually, this was like a week ago. And I was asked to, to give a word of encouragement and endurance to a group of church planners. And most of these guys had been physically beaten and assaulted because of what they were doing. And one guy in particular, he was there. He had a, he had, he was missing teeth, broken jaw and couldn't see out of his eye. Still, he saw, saw like his, his wounds from that. He's still healing from it. And so what do you say to a group of people like that? Right. What do I say as a foreigner coming in that context? And I, I mean, I was challenged huge to, to dig in the word and, and what the Lord laid in my heart at that moment would, and I would, I guess I'd say the same thing here was uh, Hebrews one, sorry, Hebrews 12, one and two. Let me, let me read that real quickly. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And so I would just say, man, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on anything else. Fix your eyes on him who understands what this means to suffer. In fact, as I was talking, I, I was thinking about the story and, and Stephen, right? The stoning of Stephen. He looks up and he sees Christ right there. Christ is with him in that moment, right? The glory of Jesus is right there, that Jesus is always with us in whatever type of hardship. But at the same time, when I also thought about Jesus, right, and, and what he endured, and the moment that he looked up to heaven while he was on the cross, the Father forsook him so that we would never have to experience that. Those in Christ would never have to expect that kind of forsaking. So he knows every bit of our suffering and more and is with us and going to help us through that. And so I would just say to anyone working in hard environments, just to fix your eyes on Jesus and, and remember that he's always with you in every type of circumstance. And he's worthy of it, man. He's worthy of his hard days. Mm. Amen. James, thank you so much for your time and for the conversation today. Absolutely. Thank you. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.